Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. All right, we're going to get into the message today is prayer. I want to talk about how to pray. Really, the message entitlement is how to pray. So before we dive into it, what is prayer? Everyone's got their own quick definition of what they think prayer is. If you think I don't even know what prayer is, you've still got an image of what you think prayer looks like. And prayer is a dialogue. It's a communication between one person and the other person. All right? It's not just you doing all the speaking. A lot of times you see someone pray, you might see that they all do, they're all doing all the speaking. Or your mindset might be an approach like, I go to God for my shopping list. I've got a big shopping list. I've got all these needs. So when I pray, I talk, God, okay, Father, this is what are my needs. And when I didn't know Jesus, I had no relationship with God, I was not saved, I used to pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we speak. And I was repetitious in my prayer. Take care of my father, my mother, my brother, my sister. Help me to grow rich and tall. That was exactly my prayer. Help me to grow rich and tall. I was unsaved. That's why I prayed that prayer of rich, because I thought rich would make me happy. And that's wrong. And I was short, and I always prayed to be taller. And you go, what? God didn't answer your prayer? You don't know how short I would have been. <laughs> my mum was like this and my dad was like this. So God, my, God maybe answered my prayer. <laughs> Vain repetitious prayers will get you nowhere with God. Literally nowhere. Jesus actually says, don't be like the heathen, people that don't know God, uh, and pray vain repetitious prayers. Think they'll be heard by their many words. They think they'll be heard because they've said a lot of words. Uh, you know, if you really had a bad week, when you, when you didn't have a relationship with God and you had to do penance for your sins, today it's 10 our fathers and 10 our marriage. You had a bad week, next week it's 20 our fathers and 20 our fathers. So it's like you're doing, the, you're doing the penance by hard work, by lots of words. That is not how you pray because that's not based on relationship. That is totally against relationship. It's a dialogue. So when you're speaking with the Father, we want to listen as much as we speak. Actually, it would be great to listen more than we speak. Because you're talking to the one that knows everything. Why are we doing all the talking to the one that knows everything? Now, obviously, that's a communion prayer. I want today also to get a deep revelation in all of us. There's, there's many kinds of prayer. right? Ephesians chapter 6, uh, around 17, 18, I think it says, Praying always with all kinds of prayer. That's the King James. NIV says with all prayer. All. But the word all means all kinds of prayer. So there's different kinds of prayer. Different kinds of prayer that are operating with different rules as well. So it's not just, how do you pray? Oh, you just pray this way. There's many different kinds. So keep that in mind. There's many forms of prayer, okay? Um, prayer of request is a form of prayer. Prayer of thanksgiving is a form of prayer. Praise and worship is a form of prayer. I love standing before the Father and just worshiping Him. It's, I'm communing with Him because as I'm worshiping, as I exalt Him, as I praise Him, I'm listening. He's speaking. I hear His voice. I hear His impression. I'm praying. So, so just to help break some mindsets, what is prayer? It's prayer is just when you sit down, and now I've done my half an hour, I've done my one hour, and then I don't commune with God all day. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, yes. praying always with all prayer and supplication. Always means always. Pray without ceasing means God desires us to always commune with Him. He actually wants us all day long at work, doing our thing, practical life, and we're actually still communing with God. We're still talking with the Father in our spirit. Still talking, all right? So that's so, so important to understand. That's just 
That's how I believe God wants us to have our, our life open. There's no use you saying, I get up in the morning at 6 o'clock, and don't give me no use, it's always going to helpful. But you pray for a whole hour, you're on your knees, and you pray, you pray, you pray, especially if it's shopping lists and all these lists, and you do all the talking, and you approach God completely wrong. And then when you finish, you shut off, and you're not opening to God the whole day. That's not what God desires. That, to me, is religion. What God wants is relationship. All right? When they ask Jesus... Verse 1 of chapter 11, Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles. It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, when he stopped praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I mean, why did they ask him to teach us to pray? They did not ask him to teach us to preach. They didn't even, you can't find in the scriptures that they asked him, Can you teach us to do miracles? Can you teach us to preach like you? Can you teach us how to uh, teach like you? Or can you teach us to do the miracles that you do? Like, they, they could see their, his secret to all that he does is his prayer life. Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. We need to know how to pray. And, and Jesus says, this is the secret to all what he does. So he said to them, when you pray, when you pray. Now he teaches prayer. And I want to touch on some things, but I want to highlight what's most important, I feel, that's going to help us in part. Um, I'm not preaching next week because Daz is here next week. If you don't know Daz, you must come next Sunday morning and night. He's going to be at the youth camp. He's from New Zealand. Uh, yeah, he's just on fire. He goes out in the streets. He prays for everybody and preaches the gospel, and he just loves Jesus. So do be here next Sunday. But, but um, when you pray, say... When I look at the word say, you know what it actually means? You need to speak out loud. That is such a powerful key. So I'm telling you why. The enemy is trying to deceive God's people. Just pray in their heads. Just pray in their minds. Just pray silently. Just speak softly. Or, you know, I mean, speak softly is good. There's a form of prayer where you can pray in your head. Absolutely. In front of people, pray in your heart. That's so powerful. So works. But in the majority of times when you pray, say I'll tell you why. The word say is Lego. It means to speak and build. And the, we get our Lego games and the Lego thing. Imagine you've got the power and the authority to speak with your words and build. You're building with your words all the time, whether you realize it or not. Because death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. So it's so important to actually speak. I was listening to something on YouTube, and this man was a satanic person, completely satanic satanic uh, general. He was an evangelist for Satan, literally going everywhere to convert people to come to Satan worship. And he would astro travel. He would come out of his body, go over certain communities. And because the church wouldn't be praying, the church doesn't take authority. He goes, I'll take over authority over communities. Now how he did it? With his astro traveling, he would speak curses over the community. And he goes, the church doesn't know how to do that. Now he's a believer. He goes, the Bible says, you know, death and life comes in the power of your tongue. I would go out and curse, curse, curse. What is he doing? Using words. Satan doesn't have anything new. All he has to do is pervert what God has. He hasn't created anything. He has to copy the real. God said for us, we bless with our words. That's why it's so important that when you pray, speak it. I know the difference. I pray a lot of times silently. And I pray in my, my lounge room a lot. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, people are walking. Oh, my whole family is always moving around and all that and, and, and stuff. And people walk in. And so sometimes it's, oh, yeah, I love you, God. That's good. Until there's something powerful about it. And everyone does things differently. But I like walking but, and walking. But then speak it out. Let it come out. I'm telling you, it's so important.
important. You'll see the difference. Because in the spirit realm, it's counting. The difference between... And speaking out what I've just prayed in my head is a lifetime away to each other. I mean, it just, it just can't compare. You, you are a spirit being with spiritual authority, and the spiritual authority is not released until you speak it. The storm came to attack Jesus in the boat. And what gets me is the storm does not respect the fact that that's the Son of God who has authority over me as a storm. The storm doesn't go, oh, that's the Son of God. If I get any closer, he's going to rebuke me. He doesn't care. So he, re- he attacks the, the, the boat and all, to the point the disciples thought they were going to die and they're buck getting waters out and everything. And it got so bad that they woke up Jesus. He's asleep. They woke up Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? We're about to die here. The storm's still raging. Didn't change. Jesus woke up. Still raging. They're talking to him. He says, where's your faith? Still raging. Hasn't stopped. The only time the storm stopped is when Jesus said, be still. It's only the moment he spoke out, the storm listened. Even though he had the authority all along. Isn't that interesting? The enemy doesn't just submit to you because you have the authority. It's only when you speak it out. So, so important. I can't explain it. the importance of what I just said. Speaking out. I hope you got that. I'm pretty sure you got it. The next one is, I love this, our Father. This is the greatest revelation you'll ever get on prayer, is knowing God as your Father. Because that determines how you approach God. Could you imagine how Jesus knew God as his Father? The first thing he taught him about prayer, he goes, when you pray, say, our Father. Your understanding of your relationship with God will determine how you pray. If you don't know God as your Father, you're already approaching him completely different. You're approaching him with the wrong position. You're struggling, you're striving, you're self-ambition. And I mean, me and my brother, my older brother, we you know, have a dad that we weren't really, really close to. We sort of feared him a little bit in the wrong way. And uh, when we, we, you know, we were excited. In those days, we had no games to play at home. We, the best thing we could do is go to the park. And it was only a five-minute walk. So we were so excited as little kids to get to go to the park. And I remember we used to have turns because no one wanted to ask dad. So it's your turn. No, but I asked last time, it's your turn this time. And we dreaded. Knock on the door in the lounge room and open up the lounge room. Dad, because it meant so much for us to go to the park. Oh, but it was the fear, the dread, because he might say no and he's angry. And, and like, that's the relationship I had with my dad. And the dad, is that okay if we go to the park? Sometimes he'd be in the bathroom and I knock on the door. Dad, I didn't want to face him. Is it okay if we go to the park? And just so hope he'd say yes. It's, it's a wrong relationship with a father. What I've learned about being a father is a father believes in you way more than you believe in yourself. And that's what I, like I, I sometimes wonder, what, if, what would it be like if I had a, my dad died when I was 22. Plus, he didn't have a close relationship with my dad because um, he wasn't saved until right at the end. Um, but um, I thought, what would it be like if I had a father that always believed in me way more than I believed in myself, the potential, the ability, who spoke that out all the time? What I said over Jade is as a father, I can see that over her. And hopefully, it'll be more than even what she sees over herself. It's just a normal thing a father should see. A father sees the potential in them and the greatness in them way more before they can see it. And so, and you speak it all the time. All, of my, all my kids, we've said it since they were little children. You're amazing. You're great. You're going to do great things. You're going to do amazing things. God's going to use you powerfully. We always spoke what we saw over them. Something powerful about understanding God as your father. 
Instead of coming to him like, oh, God. Now, when the Father came, when Jesus is up on the mountain of transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, uh, the cloud of glory came. Moses and Elijah were speaking to Jesus. The cloud of glory, Peter, James, and John were shaking with fear. And Jesus just relaxed. Just, just so, doesn't say he was fearful. He was never fearful when the manifestation of God's glory came. Actually, the Father would say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Imagine hearing from God himself, this is my beloved Son. And Jesus was so secure in the reality that he's a son. This is it. Knowing your identity. My identity is that I am his child. For so many, so many years for me, I didn't have this identity when I was 19. I got saved at 19. I became a Christian at 19. And it's only when I became a Christian, so for so many, many years, 30, I was it 32 years almost, 32 years of experiencing, encountering, hearing the Father speak to me over and over again, time and time again, experiencing, weeping, crying. You don't know how many times I've cried in God's presence. Why? Because God touches me. He's bringing healing. He's bringing belief. The Father's speaking into my heart. He's changing the way I see myself. It's so important that we constantly do that. Change the way we view ourselves to God as my dad. First thing you can learn about prayer, our father. My dad. Wow. And it's not like, a, you know, some of us are struggling right now because our fathers weren't a good role model, weren't, didn't give us the right role model of the father. I didn't have that either. That's what I'm trying to say. But you can have encounters with God, revelation with God, get the word of God and paint the picture in your spirit to know what a real father should be. And you can change that and become the right father to your children. Amen? Jesus goes on to say, Our Father who art in heaven. That's how you should pray. First, it's out of relationship. And, and, and obviously, when you pray in the new covenant, we pray, Father, we approach the Father in the name of Jesus. What's the power in the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus gives me the right to approach God. The name of Jesus is my righteousness. That's my ability to approach God, who is so powerful and so holy and so perfect. So when I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, He gives me the right to come in. He gives me the power of eternity with His name to come into the very presence of God. And it's understanding what Jesus did at the cross. Being grounded in that Jesus was a substitutionary sacrifice for my sin. And I didn't come up with the idea. You didn't come up with the idea. I didn't even know I needed that redemption. I didn't know I needed a plan of salvation. I did not know I needed someone to die on the cross for my sins. I was happily in darkness as an enemy of God, the Bible says, doing my own thing in sin and selfishness, yet God died for us. God became a man and died for his enemies. And why, why I'm saying God did it and God came up with it is what God does, he does it perfect. And he does it completely. And it's completely, perfectly done, 100% done, and can't be added to it. So when Jesus died on the cross, you have complete righteousness because he, he imputed it to you. It's not your righteousness. I never approach God with my righteousness because I can't. I really can't. But I can with his righteousness. We enter boldly into the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus that cleans and cleanses our conscience. The blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament couldn't do away with sin. It only covered sin. But Jesus himself actually done away with sin. Gone. Amen, Evangeline? True? Praise God. She's sitting in this service. This year for the first time, so woohoo! My my daughter, just in case you didn't know, Facebook people. All right. Um, 
Father, in the name of Jesus. So that, again, what I'm trying to say is that the more you know the righteousness of what he's done for you, I can come before God and he welcomes me to come. There's nothing in me that hinders me from coming to God because his righteousness is imputed to me. If I think I have to live perfect, holy, without sin, then I've got the right to go, then I'll never make it. I'll never be worthy enough. I'll never be good enough. How good do you have to be? Can I tell you how good you have to be? A hundred percent good if you're going to approach God in your righteousness. If you're going to approach God in your goodness. None of us could do that. God knew that. That's why he sent his son. It's just, I'm trying to help us understand, we've got to be established in this. This is going to be a truth that's so established to the point, you think, I've known this for 32 years. I'm talking about me. I've known this for 32 years. I'm still growing in it. I still have to learn. Until I do the works of Jesus, like the works of Jesus, and more than the power of the works of Jesus, I'm still growing in it. Because wow. Jesus says to Lazarus in the tomb, says, Father, I know you hear me, and you always hear me, but I'm saying this so that they can believe. Lazarus! And he raised the dead from the grave. He knew, Father, I know you hear me. And I know that you always, that's a sense of righteousness. To know that God, you're going to hear me when I pray for a sick person to be healed. Or crippled to raise. A blind eye to open. To know the Father. This is what Jesus knew. He, he could say, our Father. So, so important to understand. Our Father who art in heaven, righteousness in the name of Jesus. We approach the Father in the name of Jesus. Righteousness is the key to prayer. Understanding Father as relationship. We're going to talk about that more in, in this. And then understanding in the name of Jesus gives me the approach to the Father. So powerful. Then hallowed be your name. This is so key. Why does Jesus say there hallowed be your name? Holy is your name. The word holy is separate is your name. This is where we exalt God. This is where we praise God. It's good to approach God with praise and worship. Enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his uh, courts with praise. Why are we entering his courts with praise? Because I'm exalting God. I'm, I'm in the foremost of my mind. God doesn't need exalting, but I need him to be exalted in me. So he, I can't exalt him any more than he's exalted. But in my speaking, remember, Legoing, I'm Lego, 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 Lego. God, you're powerful. God, you're mighty. You are holy. You are great. You are almighty. You are so powerful. You spoke the universe into existence. This is the form of prayer. This is how we should be praying. Exalt God. Worship God. Praise God. God, you're so good. You're just amazing. You, with your little finger, you just could create anything. I mean, you spoke in the whole universe. So just remind yourself how great who you're approaching. Don't just approach some mighty father. Yeah. But you, you, you exalt. Holy is your name. So separate are you. So powerful. So glorious. So magnificent. Beyond comprehension. You're overwhelming, God, if I can just experience your presence. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you speaking, exalting, hallowing him. Why is it important? Because if you come the other way around, you come with all your problems. And you, oh God, oh this problem, oh God, you speak about the mountain, the mountain I'm facing is so massive, it's so big, I don't know what's going to happen. God, you really need to help me. So I'm approaching God on the viewpoint of my problem. And my problem gets big like a mountain and, and God's so small in my mind because I've, I've approached God with my problem. It's so important to approach God with who He is first. Exalt Him, lift Him up, praise Him. How powerful He is. Then He is, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is like the standard. It's like this is the rule. This is like, this is what we're allowed to pray. We're allowed to pray your kingdom come here on earth and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the will of God in heaven? What do you think the will of God is like in heaven? 
that's what it's Jesus says this is how you should pray. He's just taught us how to pray. This should this is this is the what's the word? Um, patterns our prayer life. This is what you're supposed to believe for. Your will be done, your kingdom come, the reign of the king, the domain of the king come on earth. As it is in heaven, God's kingdom is absolutely perfect and ruling in heaven. There's no one um, rebelling in heaven. No one's against God in heaven. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think there's any depressed people in heaven? No, I think God's absolute will is for a person that's struggling with depression to be free of depression. Do you think anyone's feeling anxiety in heaven? Absolutely not. So it's God's perfect will for that person to be free from anxiety. 100%. No doubt in my mind whatsoever that God wants you free from anxiety. Is there any broken hearts in heaven, like depressed? The broken heart because they're discouraged or dis- disappointed in life. and Not in heaven. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think there's any sick people in heaven? Struggling with diseases? Absolutely not. So that means we know it's God's will to heal people. We have to come with that approach because Jesus said, this is it. Pray the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. This is important because we're praying God's kingdom, not ours. I'm not even coming with my little problems and all my things that I need. I'm, God, it's your kingdom first. Your will on earth. If you're praying for people's salvations, don't question it. It's God's will for them to be saved. If you're praying for someone to be healed, delivered, families to come to Christ, someone to come back to the Lord, this is the will of God. This is the kingdom of God to come here on the earth. 100% God's going to answer that. 100%. Jesus gave you his word. God would answer it. He really did. Jesus gave me his word that he would answer every prayer of mine when I pray according to his will. This is what faith is. Like, I was talking about understanding God as our Father, understanding our righteousness when we come to prayer, and we're talking about the kingdom, the will of God. The next one that is we pray with faith. Faith is so vital. We underestimate the power of faith. I think when I pray in the will of God, and I pray God's will out, and I don't pray with faith, God doesn't answer that prayer. I'm telling you now. God does not respond to needs. He responds to faith. God never responds just to need. He always responds only to faith. That's so important. Digest it. Because if God responded to need only, just have to make a quick trip to India, go to the poor parts or Africa or many countries in the world now, go to the poor parts of the world, and I should just look at God responding to needs. Because there's millions of people starving. God loves them dearly. God is in love with them, but he doesn't respond to their need because God gave us a free will. And on top of giving humanity a free will, he gave humanity authority over the earth. God won't break his word and take that authority back and intervene when you don't ask him and intervene when you don't have faith because asking him is faith. Asking in faith, that's when God comes in because he gave you his word. You rule. You take authority. You have a free will. If you choose to disobey me, you choose not to follow me, you choose not to ask, you choose to be in doubt and unbelief because of not feeding your spirit and you're not in a relationship with me and you're in darkness and you're not, you're not crying out, you're not asking God. God wants to, but he responds to faith, not need. So vital because when you have a relationship with God and you're spending time with God and you're praying his kingdom come, your will be done in righteousness and these, these are the keys to pray. I'm telling you, faith rises. Faith rises. I want to finish this because I don't want to run out of time. It says this. Then Jesus, in the context of prayer, he doesn't change. Okay, that was the prayer teaching. Now there's another teaching. This is about prayer. He says, "Uh, which, which of you shall have a friend 
go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me free loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. This is a friend that he's knocking on the door. Can you give me some free loaves? Uh, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Jesus says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now he's talking about prayer. Now this parable is a very hard one for us to hear and understand because it's so foreign to us. That's a, that's a culture that actually, it actually happened like that. In our days, that is never going to happen. No one's going to knock on your door at midnight and say, knock, 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 and say, hey, my friend just came from a long journey. I've got no, free, I've got no bread. I've got nothing at home whatsoever. In that context, it happens because there's no shops. Nothing's open. No 24-7-11. There's no nine, uh, I mean, everyday open shops. And, and there's no emails, no SMSs, no mobile phones, nothing you can send forward to go, hey, I'm coming. When you traveled, you just traveled. If you travel from one city and work, walk for three days, they traveled with walking and caravans and camels, and you travel for three days, you don't know when you're going to get there. If you're pregnant people, mothers, children, it could take longer, and you get there at 12 o'clock, and you couldn't tell them you're coming. So someone rings, their friends knock on the door, and they're close friends, and you've got nothing to give them. They've walked for days. You've got nothing. This is desperate for this person. I've got, I need sustenance. I need food for my friends. So he knocks on his neighbor's door. No, 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 not mid, midnight. He's got the guts to knock on his neighbor's door. I would knock on, I'd never knock on my neighbor's door at 12 o'clock at night and ask, have you got a couple of loaves? I can go anywhere to get a couple of loaves. That's why it's foreign to us. But in those days, it's such, this happens. And so Jesus is saying, when someone has a need and you go to approach someone, your friend, you have, and he has, he has the thing that you need. You knock on the door and you say, hey, we need some loaves. My friend's coming and they've got nothing, nothing at home whatsoever. They don't have fridges. They didn't have nothing prepared. They couldn't give it to him. And he, go, and he says, no, I'm already shut everything down. I'm, my bed, the kids are in me. I, no, I can't do it. He doesn't want to give it to him because he's his friend. And Jesus says, but because of his persistence. In other words, this guy won't give up. This will just keep knocking. The word persistence is importunity. I looked that word up. It means begging, asking, annoying to the point of never giving up. Some of our children are like that. They just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. I mean, the best out of my children is Ezekiel. Ezekiel will ask and ask and ask. And I'm telling you, I mean, just a few days ago, he was asking for something. And I was adamant. I'm not going to tell you. I will not tell you. I'm just convinced. And in myself, I thought, you know what? I'll never tell him. He wanted to know what his present was for Christmas. Now, just tell me, Dad. No, no, it's a surprise. I mean, he's asking for weeks, a week or so. And every day asking, every day, persistent, 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 persistent. Wouldn't give up. On the last day, a few hours before we opened the presents, he asks again. All of a sudden, I felt my barriers had gone down. I thought, I might just tell him inside, I'm thinking. Why? What is it? Because he just kept asking. Just persistent, persistent, persistent. And Jesus says, you don't, as a friend, you won't want to get up. But because you're going to be annoyed and you just want him off your back, you'll end up getting the loaves and here you are. You leave me alone. Right? Jesus is saying that. And he says, this is about prayer, guys. And he says, because of that, so I say to you, ask and you shall receive. Jesus, I mean, the, the friend that Jesus is using as example has got nothing to do with God. God would never not give it to you. He's not withholding for any reason. We're talking about a real need here. Again, for us, the context is when you're praying the kingdom of God come and the will of God come, 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're convinced the Father will give it to you. They're following. We're not talking about God. I want, uh, I don't know, I want a Ferrari so everyone can see me driving a Ferrari. I want to show off. I'm not talking about fleshly stuff. I'm really not. Nothing against people that own Ferraris, okay? But, um, but you know what I'm saying. I'm talking about it's not a fleshly need. I'm not saying that's a need because someone might need to use it for the kingdom of God. Bless you. Drive a Ferrari and preach the gospel. But so I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. This is a genetic, 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 generic, no generic, genitive. Uh, Wendy, where are you? Generative case of a, of a, a, a it's a noun. It's like a noun, adjective explaining a noun. It's like a continual. That's why he says later, for everyone who asks, receives. When you, he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. For anyone who asks. Are you asking? You will receive. Are you seeking? You will find. What I'm trying to say is, if, if, if I can say this to you. If the next prayer that you prayed, you knew God would answer it. Would you pray? Most people don't pray because they stop believing that God will answer them. Most people don't have a spirit of prayer on them because they don't believe God's going to answer their prayers. They've lost faith. They're in unbelief. They're in in doubt. They're in a doubt mode. Oh, God doesn't hear me. I've prayed so many prayers and it doesn't happen. So now the devil's convinced you that God doesn't hear your voice. But he does hear your voice and you will make a difference and you will shake history and you will change our city, our community, when you ask and you keep on asking until you receive. You seek, you keep on seeking until you knock. That's the way it reads in the Greek. You knock, like I'll say it this way. If, would you ask if you knew you were going to receive? Would you uh, seek if you knew you were going to find? If you knew 100% you were going to find what you were seeking, would you seek? You would. If you knew that the door were open that you're knocking on, would you knock? You would knock because you know it would open. Now again, the context is this. Again, still on prayer. If a son asks for bread from any of father, from, he uses the word father. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, your son is desperate, hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Would you give him a scorpion? When I thought about this, I thought, you know what? That doesn't even cross my mind as a father, as a parent. Does it cross your mind when your son wants food? Do you go, I'm going to give him a stone. <laughs> you don't think like that. It doesn't even cross our minds. Think about it for a second. When you ask the Father for the will of God, the kingdom of God to come, it doesn't even cross his mind not to give it to you. When it's according to his will, it doesn't even cross his mind to not give it to you. Think about it. I don't know about you. He blesses my faith. I'm just sharing what I'm getting from God. It says, it says if you then, being evil as fathers and mothers, we're fallen creatures separated from God unless we're born again when we get born again we get reunited with God if you then be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him so now we're talking about the Holy Spirit himself how much more would God give you the Holy Spirit when you ask well the fact is God has already poured out the Holy Spirit now I know I've been filled with the Holy Spirit I've been baptized I've been refilled many many times but when I ask for more I've got to be convinced that he is more than willing to give me more. When I ask for more of the Holy Spirit for our church, I need to be 100% convinced. Like, like I have never, it doesn't cross my mind to give my children something that will harm them. 
That's what it is. Bread will, uh, a scorpion will harm them. A snake will harm them. Even a stone will harm them. Harm them. You can't eat a stone. I would never, it would never cross my mind. It doesn't cross the Father's mind not to answer your prayer. It doesn't. Because he's a father. When my children are hungry, man, I'd do anything to feed them. Anything. I heard just recently of a family who's, who walking the walk faith, and sometimes he hasn't got the faith, hasn't got the, not the faith, hasn't got the food to give his own children. And I think that's not right. Because the Bible says he that doesn't work is worse than infidel. I'll take any job to feed my kids. Any. I'll do anything as long as it's not immoral. If it's not immoral, I'll do anything. Clean the gutters, wash the manure, wash whatever. Wash the manure. Clean the, you know, clean the poo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As a dad, you do absolutely anything to feed your children. You'd go without, wouldn't you? You'd absolutely go without. If your kid has a disease, a terminal disease, and you could take it and it would free them, you would. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. Exactly what our Father did for us. Amen? It's faith. Believe He's so willing to give it to you. In other words, faith in the, in the kindness and goodness of God. He's kinder than me. I'm pretty kind to my kids. Christine's very generous to her kids. We're loving to our children. Our Father's so greater than us. Think of how loving you are to your kids. Some of us didn't have good dads. We don't understand the role model. Think about how much you love your children. Your Father in heaven loves you and is kinder and good. I'm going to use that word. Sorry, Nathan Nicotra. Gooder to you. I know it's not right English. I'm just using it. All right? To make the point. He's so good. He's not holding back on you. If I think, I've got to finish. I know I've gone a little bit over. But if I think, Holy Spirit, I want your Holy Spirit. And then I think, oh, he's not going to give me the Holy Spirit because I've got stuff in me that's wrong. I've got some junk here. I've got some selfishness. I've got some evil. I've got some wrong stuff here. If I think that oh, God won't give it to me, what I'm actually saying to God, let me fix that in my own strength. Let me clean it up. Let me give that up. I'll do that in my strength. When I've cleaned myself up, then give me your Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. I need the Holy Spirit to fix that. I need His grace. I need His mercy. Why do you think we need the Holy Spirit? Because I need Him as a person living inside of me to overcome that stuff. Amen? So you, you can't say, oh, he must, be, he must be hindering the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because of me. No. He wants to give more than you give to your children. So when you pray, not just for yourself, and you pray for each other in this church, pray for the city, you pray for revival, you pray for our nation, you pray for the nations. Keep in mind, God is 100% willing to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. He's not holding back. It's our faith that's not receiving what He wants to do. That's what fasting helps you to do. Fasting gets you a place under the waterfall of what God already wants to do. And now you're under it. Fasting weakens your flesh to hear what God already wanted to do. I can hear Him now. So clear. Amen? So we're going in a time of fasting for three weeks. Vegetable fast, a Daniel fast. We encourage you to join us if you want to. A three-week vegetable fast. And uh, it'll help you tune your spirit into God. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. 
from our house to yours, be blessed.